Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, church. Would you bow your heads with me as we ask the Lord to speak to us? Our dear Father, we thank you for your word, your precious word, and we thank you that as a church, we can study it together. So Lord, this morning as we come before you, indeed, we pray that our hearts may be open to you as you open your word to our hearts. May our hearts be open to your word. So speak to us, Lord, and may we not be found hard of hearing, but may we be receptive to your word. For we ask and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, There was a concerned husband who went to the doctor and said, Doctor, doctor, my wife, I think she's going deaf. She's not hearing me. So the doctor said, okay, here's a simple test that you can run on your own at home. You stand five meters away from your wife and then you talk to her in your normal voice. And if she doesn't hear you, then you step one meter forward nearer and then you talk to her again. She still doesn't hear you. You step one meter forward. Then you can establish the extent of her hearing loss. So he thought, okay, okay, that's quite simple. I can do that. So he went home. He stood about five meters away from his wife and then he said, dear, what are we having for dinner tonight? No response. So we thought, okay, okay. So he took a step one meter nearer and then, dear, what are we having for dinner tonight? Still no response. So he stepped forward again. Dear, what are we having for dinner tonight? Still no response. So he went all the way up to her. Dear, what are we having for dinner tonight? His wife turns to him, gives him the look and says, for the fourth time, I'm telling you, we're having potato soup. (laughs) The scary thing about being hard of hearing is that sometimes the hearing loss may begin to occur and we are not even aware of it. If you ask my wife or my children, they will tell you that I am probably on that road because very often I ask them to repeat what they just said. And if there are amongst us uh, in church today, some of us who are uh, hard of hearing or in the deaf community, you're wearing a hearing aid, right? Please know that I'm not making fun of you, right? And today's word is really not poking fun or or making it difficult or embarrassing for you. On the contrary, what we like to do is to look at how many of us who may not be hard of hearing in our ears, but we may be hard of hearing in our hearts. And may this be a picture for us as we learn from God's Word today. A couple of weeks back, I spoke the first sermon in this series when we looked at the whole chapter of Daniel chapter 4 on uh, the 30th of April. And in April, we did an overview. And this was when we saw that 
what we see here in Daniel chapter 4 is more than meets the eye, more than what the Babylonians see, more than what the people of Israel see. But really, as we look behind what's going on, there is truly more than meets the eye. We took a break for one week as we had New Life Friends Day, and last week, Pastor Cat spoke on the human condition of pride on real proud. And that's where in the next uh, couple of weeks, on the 14th, today on the 21st, and then on the 28th, we will still be looking at Daniel chapter 4, and we will be looking at it from different perspectives on a more topical approach. So last week, we looked at the issue of human pride, and this week, we will be looking at what it is to hear from God, or rather, what are we to do? How are we to respond when God speaks to us? And in particular, when He speaks concerning sin in our lives. That we must know so that we would not be found hard of hearing. So, when God speaks, and especially when He places His divine finger, on our hearts, in an area of sin that he would like us to deal with, we must first hear his word. We must first hear his word. We must discern, we must know when God is speaking. And then secondly, we must heed his warning. We must heed his warning and do what it is that God says when he points this out to us. So let's jump right in. When God speaks, and especially when it's concerning sin in our lives, we must, we must hear His Word and discern when He is speaking to us. My friends, I'd like to put to you that Nebuchadnezzar sought to hear God when he spoke. We saw when we read the whole chapter of Daniel 4 a couple of weeks ago, and we saw that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And in this dream, uh, it, it affected him quite a bit. It terrified him. It alarmed him. And he sought to hear what it is that God was saying to him, with a few caveats which I will come to. But let's take a look at the text first. In Daniel chapter 4, starting from verse 4, I'd like to read to verse 9 and then also verse 18. This is what it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my palace. I had a dream and it frightened me. While in my bed, the images and visions in my mind alarmed me. So, and take note of the highlighted text. So I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon to me in order that they might make the dream's interpretation known to me. When the magicians, mediums, Chaldeans, and diviners came in, I told them the dream, but they could not make its interpretation known to me. Verse 8, finally, Daniel, named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God and a spirit of the holy gods is in him, he came before me. I told him the dream, Belteshazzar, head of the magicians, because I know that you have the spirit of the holy gods and that no mystery puzzles you. Take note, explain to me the visions of my dream that I saw and its interpretation. And then in verse 18, this is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. And this is after he had related the whole dream to Daniel. And then he says, Now, Belteshazzar, tell me the interpretation. 
because none of the wise men of my kingdom can make the interpretation known to me. But you can, because you have a spirit of the holy gods. I put to you that here is a man, a king no less, who sought to know what God was saying to him. However, there are a few caveats and you would be right to point out that Nebuchadnezzar does not necessarily believe in Yahweh, the one true God. It's clear from what he says here that he believes in many gods. But nonetheless, he seeks to determine what it is that the gods are saying to him. You have to understand that in the cultural background of the day, in the ancient Near East, uh, the people believed that the gods would speak to men uh, often through dreams. But very often these dreams are kind of like codified. You can't quite make out what it is. It, and, and, and so they have to get someone to interpret the dream for them, which is exactly what you see Nebuchadnezzar doing. He was very eager to know the interpretation. Of course, you say, yeah, because he was troubled, he was frightened, he was worried. Yes, that's true. It did trouble him. But understanding the background that in the culture, many people were so uh, fascinated that the gods would speak to them that when they do receive such a dream, and especially if it impresses on, on them in such a way that it troubles them, they want to know what it is that their gods are saying to them. And quite frankly, this fascination with this mystical nature of dreams uh, still takes place today in many cultures uh, where, where people want to understand their dreams. They seek out people who interpret their dreams. There are books that are written on how to understand your dreams. And even in our Bible, you see that our God too speaks to his people through dreams. So what I see here is a man and a king no less whom we can give some credit to for his desire to ascertain what it is that the gods are saying to him. And while it is not the same God that we worship, I think nonetheless there's something for us to learn here, which is that we ought to seek God to know what it is that he wants to make known to us when he reveals himself to us, be it through dreams or through other ways. And so with that, I think that we can learn from Nebuchadnezzar and that's what we're going to do today as we look at what it is that God is saying to us in the same way that how God was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar and putting God's divine finger on his life. I believe that God has a word for us today as well. God is one who speaks to his people. Uh, many years ago, and this would be many, many years ago, when I was serving my national service, I had a platoon commander who, who liked to address us in this way. Whenever he had something to say, he would go, gentlemen, you listen up. Ah. Okay. And we know that he has something important that he wants to tell us. Okay. And in the same way, our God, when he wants our attention, he calls out to us, he reveals himself to us. Maybe not quite in the same way, not quite. Gentlemen, 
Listen up. Ah. Okay, maybe not quite in that way, but God does speak, and when He does, it is our responsibility, the onus is on us to know when God is speaking so that we can discern what God is saying to us. So, when we refuse to hear God's word, that's when we are hard of hearing. When we shut off, when we block off what God is saying to us, that's when we are hard of hearing. And I know some of you are saying, no, it's not that I refuse, it's not that I don't want to listen to God, it's that I don't quite know how to discern that this is God's voice. Ah. Sometimes I hear something, then it sounds like, is it God? I'm not quite sure. Or is it me making it up in my own, something going on in my mind? I'm not quite able to discern whether this is God's voice or not. So it's not that I refuse to hear God's voice. It's just that I'm having some trouble making out whether it's God's talking or not. So friends, I'd like to share with you what I uh, sometimes tell young Christians when they ask me, but oh, you really hear God's voice? Really? How do you know it's God's voice? And this is what I say to them. You know, many, many moons ago, before we had caller ID and before we had mobile phones, telephones actually had cables attached to them. And these cables are plugged into the wall. Uh, you have to dial on those telephones uh, and... When you receive an incoming call, you don't even know who's calling because you've got no caller ID, you can't tell. You have to pick up the phone and then when you listen to the voice of the person on the other side, sometimes it's a familiar voice. And when it's a familiar voice, you're able to recognize who the caller is just from the way the person says, Hello. Hi, you know, just from the way that they greet you, you're able to tell because you've heard this voice over and over again. Hello? Oh, that's my dad, okay? Um, and, and you're able to distinguish because you're familiar with the voice. And that's what it is like listening to God. You listen to God, after a while you distinguish the voice of God, and you're able to recognize the voice of God. Now, if I ask you, are you able to recognize your father's voice or your wife's voice or your mother, whoever it is, you're probably able to. But if I ask you, can you teach me how to do it? You can't. It's just something that I have to do until I've heard that voice enough and I can recognize it, right? In the same way, listening to God's voice, we're not quite able to distinguish and all that, but as we listen, as we learn, we begin to be able to pick up more and more, ah, this is what the voice of God sounds like. And sometimes we will hear wrongly. Uh, there are still times when I call home, I call the lying phone, right? And sometimes I call home, uh, my daughter picks up the phone and I go, hi dear, and she says, I'm not your wife. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Oops. Sometimes you still hear wrongly, it's okay, right? Even when you're trying to discern the voice of God, you don't get it right every time. Sometimes eh, maybe I heard wrongly, it's okay. It's part and parcel of the learning process. And as you do, you become sharper and sharper at picking up to discern 
the voice of God. But let's not be found hard of hearing, refusing to hear God's voice or hear God's word. So you say, okay, so I, I need to learn how to, to discern uh, when, when God speaks. And my question then is, how, how will God get my attention? You know, how, how will God speak to me? Right? And here I'd like to share with you five ways. Uh, they may, may be familiar. This framework is taken from Alpha. And in one of the uh, lessons in Alpha, how does God guide us? Uh, they share these five ways, which I think are very good for us to understand how God very often speaks to his people. And in the context of what we're saying today, these five ways also apply to how God sometimes places his divine finger on our lives to point out areas that he wants us to deal with, areas of sin, such as pride in Nebuchadnezzar's life or other areas that we too need to deal with in our lives. So here are the five ways. The first will come as no surprise to you. It is through Scripture. And we call it commanding Scripture because Scripture commands us. God speaks to us through his written word. And God is one who will never contradict his own word. I say that again, God is one who will never contradict his own word. Why is that so important? Because as we look at some of the other ways that God speaks, and as we determine if this is really what God is saying to us, we need to come back to the fact that God will never contradict his own word. His written word that has been given to us, the whole canon of scripture, is God's revelation of himself to us and God will never contradict his own word. The second way by which God sometimes guides us, speaks to us, gets our attention is through his spirit. His spirit that compels us. His compelling spirit. And by that, what I mean is that the Spirit of God sometimes speaks to us as we pray, as we discern that still small voice that God is speaking to us in, in our hearts. Or sometimes the Spirit of God nudges us to go in a certain direction or, or gives us a desire, a strong desire for something in particular. Sometimes the Spirit of God gives dreams, He does, or visions, uh, prophecy, and, and sometimes the Spirit of God even speaks in an audible voice. This is the Spirit who compels us, the compelling Spirit. But one word of warning which is given to us in Scripture is 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So there are such things as false prophets and sometimes if we're not careful, we may uh, fall into that trap of hearing wrongly from the false prophets and what uh, John is, is teaching is that we must test the spirit by which that teaching is. And how do we test that? Remember, God will never contradict his own word. So if there is teaching, if you have a prompting, a nudging that pushes you in a direction to do something that contradicts with what God has given us in his word, then you can be very sure that that is not the Holy Spirit who compels you. 
like to move on. And the third is common sense. I wonder if this surprises some of us. God has given us common sense and God does want us to use it and sometimes uh, God gets us to, uh, actually much of the time, God wants us to, to act in accordance to his leading through common sense. Uh, this is what uh, Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9 says, I will instruct you. I will show you the way to go with my eye on you. I will give you counsel. Do not be like a horse or mule without understanding that must be controlled with bit and brittle or else it will not come near to you. So my paraphrase is, don't be a donkey lah. Use your brain, okay? God has given us some common sense. Now again, we need to test this because sometimes God calls us to do things that are counter common sense, right? So now many of these God has given to us so that we can see how they confluence to help us to understand how God is saying to us and we need to test them carefully. Now, I'd like to move on. The next is the Council of Saints. And I'd like to spend a bit more time to talk about the Council of Saints. By this, we are referring to other Christians. And very often, these are Christians who are more mature than us. What I would like to call the spiritual eldership in our lives that help us, that guide us, that God has given to protect us. Very often, God makes his will known to us. God gets our attention through these others who speak into our lives. And it's a good thing when we have the counsel of saints that are speaking into our lives. So if, if we don't have others in our Christian community whom we trust, who love us, whom we've opened our lives to and have invited them to speak into our lives, then, my friends, I'd like to urge you to find some trusted uh, people, Christians in your life, who can be your council of saints, to be your spiritual eldership. Let me just give you an example. In Matthew 18, verse 15 to 17, the Scripture says that if a brother sins against you, then what are you to do? You are to quietly go to this brother privately and share with him that, hey, look, this was not so good. You know, and we try and work it out privately. And if that's worked out, then there's reconciliation, well and good. But if that's not good, then bring another one or two others to come and speak with this brother again. And if that still doesn't work, then bring the church leaders to come and speak with this brother. And if that still doesn't resolve the issue, all right, and presumably it is the brother who has sinned against you, then scripture says, treat him as good as a non-Christian. Now, I'd like us to turn that around. What happens if we are that brother or that sister and someone comes to us and says that, hey, there was something that you said that was not so good, that was hurtful, or there's something that you did was not very Christianly, and, 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 and has that conversation with us. What, what is our response? Will we be ready to listen? 
to process or, or would we write them off such that they have to come back with another one or two to speak to us again and we shut them off again? Perhaps they may bring their church leaders to come and discuss this with us and we won't even open the door to them. Or perhaps we listen one year in, one year out, yeah, 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 yeah. We don't, no change. My friends, what am I getting at? I'm saying that perhaps there would be times when we might be the ones who may have sinned against others. And sometimes God uses this counsel of saints to come to point that out to us. Not to hurt us, but to help us, to protect us that we may be reconciled. And when that happens, let's not be too quick to shut them off, to refuse to listen because that's when we become hard of hearing. But may we be found ready to engage in conversation, to listen and to respond. Finally, God sometimes gets our attention through circumstantial signs. Sometimes God opens doors for us. And uh, I'm reminded of how when Paul uh, was on his missionary journey, he wanted to go into Bithynia, but he was prevented from doing so. And instead, then he passed by and he went down to Troas. And then, uh, later on, there was a man, a Macedonian man who came in a vision and urged him to come, to come to Macedonia. And God led him in that way. Sometimes God closes doors and sometimes God opens doors through different circumstances. And God often uses these five different ways in unison to help us to see, to hear what he is saying to us. May we be found ready to hear his word and to discern that this is God speaking to us. So I'm going to pause for a moment and ask, what must God do to get your attention? What must God do to get your attention? And when he does, especially if he points his divine finger at sin in your life, something that needs to be dealt with as displeasing to God, would you be willing to hear his word and to discern that this is God who is speaking to you. But that's not the only thing that we need to do. We also need to heed his warning. Being able to discern God's voice is important, but after we hear God's voice, we must also be heeding his warning. We have to do what he tells us to do. So again, let's look at Daniel. And in uh, chapter 4, verse 27 to verse 30, this is what the Word of God says. Therefore, may my advice seem good to you, my king. This is Daniel speaking. And he says, separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there'll be an extension of your prosperity. So what happened was Daniel had interpreted the dream and it was a dreadful interpretation. It was a, it was a word of judgment that was impending. And then he rounds it off with this and he says that may my advice seem good to you. And what is that advice? That there is a warning. 
what is he to do? The king is to separate himself from sin and instead to do what is right. And for kings, what is the right thing for them to do is to take care of their subjects, take care of their people. And here it says, uh, separate yourself from your sin, from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. This is the warning that God had given to Nebuchadnezzar through Daniel. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And did he heed that warning? Verse 29 says, At the end of 12 months, as he was walking on the roof of the royal palace in Babylon, the king exclaimed, Is this not Babylon the Great that I have built to be a royal residence by my vast power and for my majestic glory? The dream, the interpretation pointed to the need for King Nebuchadnezzar to recognize that he is not the ultimate king, but that the sovereign Lord is the King of Kings. Had Nebuchadnezzar learned that lesson when this dream was given to him, when God presumably spoke to him and the interpretation was given? Had he learned? We don't know. Because it says that at the end of 12 months, then this happened. What happened during that 12 months? After the dream, after the interpretation, the warning, what could have happened, and this is purely speculation, right? What could have happened is that Nebuchadnezzar was so frightened. It's like, oh, God is speaking to me. He's asking me to repent. And he may well have done that, right? So he repented. He started to uh, distance himself from sin. He started to do what was right uh, and, and take care of his people and realize that that he is not the sovereign God. God is the sovereign God, not him. And perhaps he was like this for a couple of months and then nothing quite happened and then after that he continued and then maybe he was less so and gradually he kind of backslided into his old self again such that 12 months later, okay, he's on the roof, looks at his kingdom and says, this is... My, me, and he's back to his original self. Could that have happened? Perhaps speculation. And I speculate that because it's human nature. I suspect that many of us are like that as well. Very often when God points out sin in our, our lives, we repent, we say sorry, okay. we turn over a new leaf, but we only turn for a little while. Right? Then gradually we kind of like slip back into where we were previously. So let's not judge Nebuchadnezzar if that was the case. Okay. Now, another speculation, right? Another speculation. During this 12 months, perhaps nothing happened. He didn't change a thing. He heard the interpretation, which he was so eager to have, but after he heard it, he did nothing. And in spite of him doing nothing, the Lord still gave him time. The Lord didn't, didn't exercise judgment immediately and held back until 12 months later. Then the Lord judged him for his refusal to repent. Could that be possible? Possible, okay? Speculation. And again, I speculate because this is human nature. For some of us, we say we want to know the will of God. We ask God to speak to us, 
But when God reveals His will to us, what do we do? Okay, noted. Okay. We take God's revelation to us as reference. It's like, oh, okay, all right, for my consideration, okay, I, I don't think I will accept his opinion on this. I will just do it my own way, okay? And for some of us, that's, that's what it is to know the will of God. We, we want to know out of curiosity. We want to know as a point of reference, but we're not ready to obey. And perhaps that's what happened with Nebuchadnezzar because I think that's human nature, just as perhaps this is what happens to us. Friends, if this is what happens then we must be very careful because the consequences follow. Twelve months later, twelve months later, this is what happened. And we know, we know, because God's judgment fell on Nebuchadnezzar. His kingdom was taken away from him. He was driven away from his people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with dew from the sky. His hair grew like eagle's feathers. His nails grew like bird's claws. And that's what happens when we refuse, when we refuse to heed God's warning. Not only are we hard of hearing, but our hearts have hardened. Our hearts have hardened when we refuse to heed God's warning. Friends, it's a dangerous place to be when we refuse to heed God's warning because our hearts become increasingly hardened towards God. Some of you may have been to this place in uh, Hanoi uh, called the Train Street. You see the, the train tracks right in the middle and you see the houses that are on both sides. And actually, uh, many of the people who live in these houses, sometimes they, uh, they, they, they come out and they actually do their trade along the, the train tracks as well. There's a market and, and there are cafes and all that. And what happens is that when the train is coming, they quickly retract everything, right? It clears the, the tracks so that the train goes past and once the train has gone past, everything comes back out again on the track. I think some of you have visited uh, Hanoi and have seen this before. Have you ever thought, how do people who live beside the train track, how do they ever sleep? Uh? The train went grow, 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 all day, you know, or, or that, that those times of the day when it comes. Or some of us may have um, bought HDB flats not knowing that it's in the flight path uh, of uh, Tengah Air Base or something, and then we have the jets flying across. Right, and then how do we sleep? Do you realize that the first couple of times we have difficulty, but after a while, we don't hear it anymore? Right? For those of us who are, who, who are living in places like this where there's, there's constant noise, after a while, we don't hear it anymore. But when your guests come and visit you, your guests can hear it. Why? because your guests have not become acclimatized in the same way as you have. There's actually a scientific explanation for this. You know, um, what actually happens is that in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, there is a, a mechanism that actually acts to filter out some of these distracting stimuli that the brain has learned that it is not needed. It's not, uh, you don't need to process, so it just filters out. So much so that whether it's the train tracks or the aeroplane that flies past and so on, the brain has already become aware that this does not need to be processed so you don't hear it anymore. 
But for others, like your guests who come to visit you, they haven't come to that place where the brain has reached that and it's still processing it as stimulus that's coming in. What am I getting at? When we harden our hearts towards God, it works the same way. When God speaks to us for the first time and we do not respond, we do not heed his warning, we put it aside, right? God speaks to us again and we turn a deaf ear. God speaks to us again and we ignore. After a while, we don't process God's voice anymore. It's actually the opposite of what I described just now about recognizing someone's uh, voice on the phone. This is the opposite effect where now you have blocked off the voice of God. It's kind of like a do not disturb on the phone. And my friends, that is a dangerous place to be when we refuse to heed God's warning. So my friends, I'd like to call you today and in a moment as we respond, I'm going to call you to heed God's warning. When God speaks to us concerning our sin, we must hear his word, but we must also act upon it by heeding his warning, particularly when he speaks to us concerning sin in our lives. I'd like to end off with a short tribute to a pastor who has died this past week. Some of you will know uh, Pastor Tim Keller has been battling with cancer since uh, 2020 and after some three years, he has uh, finally succumbed and has passed away in this past week. Uh, pastor and author uh, and one who has a heart for winning cities for the Lord. But what I'd like to share with you is what Pastor Tim Keller said in the early days when he had cancer and, and, and they interviewed him and asked him, how are you going to fight this cancer? This was his response. He said, I'm fighting sin, not cancer. I'm fighting sin, not cancer. And what, what he meant is that cancer is not the enemy. The real enemy is sin. The real enemy is a cancer of the soul and not the cancer of the body. Pastor Tim Keller has been promoted to glory, but he leaves behind a legacy. A legacy that is a positive example for us as opposed to Nebuchadnezzar who is a negative example. What we see in Nebuchadnezzar is one whom God has spoken to and given his warning. But while Nebuchadnezzar sought to hear what God is saying to him, Nebuchadnezzar did not heed the warning that God had given. A negative example for us so that we may learn not to do likewise. But here in Tim Keller, we see an example of a man who fought sin all the way to his dying breath. And I call us in a moment to respond to do the same, to refuse to succumb to sin, but instead to allow the Lord when he touches our heart that we respond by hearing his word and by heeding his warning. Because if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves 
And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, then we make God to be a liar and His word is not in us. So my friends, I'm going to call us as we respond to God's word, not to be hard of hearing, not to harden our hearts, but that our hearts may be soft and our ears may be open to what the Lord is saying to us today and every day of our lives. Would you stand with me? As we sing this song in response, I ask that you allow the words of this song to speak to you. As we ask God to speak, speak, O Lord, as we come to you, that He may speak, that we may hear, and that we may respond. Oh, oh. 
ask the musicians to continue to play on in the background. And church, I'm going to call us now to a time of repentance before the Lord. Repentance for whatever it is that the Lord may be saying to us, that He's pointing out to us in our hearts. So if you will, and if you are able to, would you join me to kneel before the Lord? If you're unable to kneel, it's okay. Please sit, please remain standing, please adopt a posture that you deem is appropriate as we come before the Lord in repentance and asking for His forgiveness. And as we do, as we kneel before the Lord, I'm going to ask us to just be quiet, just to be still before the Lord, and invite the Lord to come, to come and speak, to come and reveal what it is in our lives that there may be that is displeasing to Him. To ask the Lord to place His divine finger in our lives, on our hearts, and to help us to rid ourselves of anything that is displeasing to Him. So let's just take a moment to be quiet that we may hear His Word, that we may discern when God is speaking. Some of us, we have secret chambers in our hearts that are remained locked. And the Lord wants to ask you to open these secret chambers to allow Him in, to cleanse all the filth that may be there that you know you are hiding from the Lord that is displeasing to him. And if you sense God knocking gently on the door of your heart, please don't be hard of hearing. Please don't refuse. But please open the door of your heart. Hear his word and discern when he's speaking. Others of us may say that, oh, I have repented, and I truly did, but then in my weakness, I sinned again. And then I repented again, and then I sinned again. I repented again and I sinned again. So what's the use? Why bother? And to you, I believe the Lord is saying today, don't give up. 
Because even in your struggle, difficult as it is, you are demonstrating your love for God. Your willingness, even after you have fallen, to pick yourself up again and to allow the Lord to continue to work in your life is pleasing to Him. So don't give up. Don't give up. Turn back to the Lord again with your whole heart and let Him do a new work in your life. So whatever it is that the Lord has revealed to you, would you now heed his warning? A warning that is a call to repentance. Would you repent of your sin and ask for the Lord's forgiveness? Because indeed, when we come before the Lord asking for his forgiveness, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sins and he will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So heed his warning. Do as he says. Don't miss out. Don't disregard. Do as he says. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our fellow men in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.